This week in Young Nostalgia, we're heading to the Witness Protection Program. It might be young. Let's take a look. Hello and welcome to another fabulous week of Young Nostalgia. Thanks so much for joining us. As always, I'm Nolan, always trying to live up to the amazing, good-looking Ben who's sitting beside me. But he might look good, but he doesn't smell good. Ben, how are you doing today, big guy? <laughs> Thanks, brother. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Uh, I'm doing good. It's been a good day. How are you doing today? Good, dude. It's good. To, it's good to be back. Good to see you. Uh, episode 120 coming your way. We're going to be continuing the mystery movie extravaganza with Ben's pick for me. Mystery movie extravaganza. <laughs> Right? Take us way back to like those afternoon movie host shows that they used to do or the evening <laughs> host shows with Elvira. Um, anyway, My Blue Heaven is what we're talking about today. Uh, absolutely enjoyed it. What a trip. What a good movie. Um, let me do a quick Google search because I should have done this before we hit record. <laughs> stalling, 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 stalling. Heading to the Wikipedia page. What is this about? Okay, My Blue Heaven came out in 1990. It is a movie starring Rick Moranis and none other than Steve Martin. Um, and pretty much what's going on that uh, that happens is that... Uh, Steve Martin plays Vincent or Vinny Antonelli in My Blue Heaven um, alongside Rick Moranis. And Vinny, or Steve Martin, is actually in the Witness Protection Program being protected by an FBI agent who is Rick Moranis. um, So then he can survive into a New York City trial against uh, a popular or like a well-known crime, organized crime family that uh, Vinny is testifying against. So it's just kind of interesting personalities that clash very 100% like 360 of each other um, but it's just a interesting turn of events and you know if anything could tell you what this movie could possibly be like just look up the cover of my blue heaven and by no chance do, do lawnmowers play a role other than one time in the entire movie but there's a lawnmower on the cover with Rick Moranis and Steve Martin it's fantastic <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that that's that duo right there and I can't remember how many movies they did together. Uh it says here like the third like My Blue Heaven was the third one that Martin and Miranda starred together. Yeah, yeah. like it, and I don't think even after this I don't think it was that many, which is kind of it seems odd to me because it seems like there's such a good combination to have together um, right. in a variety of different roles. It's kind of a, a bummer that we don't see more of them together. I know, I know. And like those two guys were a huge face of comedy within the 80s and the 90s, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? With Mel Brooks um, and <laughs> Rick Moranis working pretty close together. Steve Martin, just absolutely phenomenal in everything he was throughout that time. Um, and then, like, you know, Ghostbusters, like, it was pretty much like Steve Martin, Rick Moranis, and then, um, uh, dang it, what's his name? I literally just saw him. Why? <laughs> can't even think of I'd help it. you but I have no idea who you're talking about uh the guy who starred in Blues Brothers as well um Dan Aykroyd or Dan Aykroyd Belushi. that's it 
Okay. Yeah, Dan Aykroyd. They were like the the comedy all stars within the eighties and the nineties. I feel like. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, there was not so, really anything they could be in that that wasn't fantastic. Right, right, and so like putting them together. Obviously, this is the third time they starred together, so they actually like have a working relationship, and it quite shows during the movie too with like the way the humor bounces off and they act together is is phenomenal so we're excited first off we'll go through uh my thoughts uh and then ben will interject his thoughts when he disagrees with me all the time (laughs) and then he'll say i'm completely wrong and then he'll talk all about his thoughts no we'll just go back (laughs) (laughs) right right you're wrong we'll just go back and forth and just cover this amazing (laughs) fun movie that uh that was a very good break in between the kind of movies that we have been watching and reviewing um, on the show a little bit of a mix-up we got here right right so oh i guess quick question so where did this movie come from and like in your background is this something that a movie that like you grew up with or something more recent that you discovered and were like this movie's really fun and then you often often revisit um I didn't necessarily grow up with this movie. I don't think I had ever actually seen this movie until uh, it would have been right when Netflix was starting to get big. Right, the first okay. one of the first experiences with Netflix I have. It's it's it used to be on there. I don't think that so it is anymore. But the the Netflix where you're streaming or the Netflix that you would like get DVDs in the mail and then you'd send them back. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> Netflix streaming this would have been i think okay. when did i first get netflix it was senior year of high school maybe right after so okay. I, okay. I, this so we're talking like 2013 yeah roughly so this isn't like a a long time favorite it was just one that i i've i i saw it relatively late in uh later in my life and <laughs> late then in life i know <laughs> <laughs> and uh I don't know. I just I think about it all the time, and I've seen it multiple times since, and it's it's I don't know, kind of left its mark. Cool, you have been marked. <laughs> all right, let's do it, my man. You ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. <laughs> you were just about to take a drink. <laughs> all right, we are back from a quick hiatus. Just got done talking with uh, Rick Moranis himself. And uh, man, that guy's looking old. Anyway, so let's check out everything from My Blue Heaven. Everyone in every movie that we watch pretty much is looking pretty old. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh my gosh. What were Michelle and I watching? It was We were just watching like Hulu or whatever. And then an ad on Hulu for Die Hard Car Batteries yeah. comes on. Yep. Have you seen that? Yeah, I've and seen that. Yeah. And then Bruce Willis is on there acting as like a diehard, <laughs> like John McClane. And it was kind of like pro-hyping a new Die Hard movie. And I was like, what in the world? See, see, the thing is, like, Bruce Willis looks old, but I also feel like he hasn't, like, he aged up to the point of looking old in 2010 and then mm-hmm. just hasn't aged since 2010. Yeah, but maybe that's just because he's bald. Overall, he does look pretty good. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily, kn- off the top of my head, I don't know his age, <laughs> but it seems like, it seems like he hasn't, like like you said, he kind of he aged a little bit. Started going bald. Uh, obviously, shaves yeah. his head now, but it seems like it just kind of stopped right there. Yeah, um, absolutely. And even stuff that he's been in uh, relatively recently, like the the red movies, come to mind. Yeah, and uh, yeah. I still seems pretty spry. And I mean, I don't. I can't imagine that he's doing all that many stunts still. But uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. Still seems pretty. Looks pretty good on screen. 
But right. The, no, the, absolutely. The diehard battery commercials did get me. The very first time I saw it, I no. thought it was a promo. Yes. For me too. a new movie. And I don't think it is. I think it's just kind of a uh, a marketing partnership. I think so too. And in my mind, I'm like, damn, diehard batteries must be making real bank to get freaking Bruce Willis for a 15 <laughs> second commercial. Yeah. <laughs> Either that, that or they're or both, Bruce Willis they're is both like, really needing a paycheck. Not? Yeah, right. <laughs> they're both needing a paycheck. Look, let's just help each other out here. Yeah, the, yeah, it could go one of two ways. <laughs> I love it. All right, steering back on track, my blue heaven is what we're talking about. So my first thought is that, okay, when you when you hear who's in this movie, you automatically get put in a mindset of, Expect anything, but also don't expect that much because that's what makes it more funny. Like, I'm not looking for <laughs> some Christopher Nolan, like, top high quality filmography that's going to change the course of Hollywood. But yeah, if you're yes, in that you're, mindset, you're going to love this movie. Right. Yeah. You're not, you're not, you go into it not looking for top of the line cinematography, and you're also not looking for a super deep plot line yeah right right but right. like i said you know that going into it you know what to expect just uh-huh. from the cast involved right right and immediately the thing i appreciate about it is that it also like expects that of itself like all throughout the beginnings there's this like corny my blue heaven song singing that fits mm-hmm. the theme of absolutely nothing but it's like <laughs> this weird twangy like hank williams kind of song and then the whole opening credit scene is just like fake, like awfully looking fake wilderness backgrounds with poofy white clouds, almost like that Windows XP (laughs) base, like desktop picture of the valley and everything. It's just that for a solid two and a half minutes. And it's just like, I was dying just watching it. (laughs) I'm really glad you brought that up because that's number one on my list here too. I actually said horrible effects in opening scenes. Um, yep. <laughs> it's because so there's like the sky itself looks really good. Mm-hmm. Like they cut that out of a background of something. And then like the hill with a tree on it, it's extremely two dimensional. It looks like a kindergartner <laughs> painted it. And you can see yep. the break between the two. Like there's a thin white line <laughs> between the two where the, the they were like pasted like, together. Yeah, or like they're trying to hold it steady in front of the camera as two different props and it's just like not working. And my thought behind the whole thing was it was so bad that I I would be inclined to think that it was intentional. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. that's it's 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 worse it's so bad that it's you would have to try to make it that bad. Like you could (laughs) on the same budget and the same skill level it, that would be a no-brainer to have it look better, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I love it. No, it's good. It's good. And then right off the bat, it just like, there's scene transitions just splattered in front of your face where it's like this this cheeky white outlined box against a blue sky. And then it's like quotes, <laughs> which, was, which was presumably Vinny um, kind of saying, mm-hmm. it's it's almost like, titles to a tv like an old awful like animated sitcom thing like popeye goes to the moon or whatever it's like it's like that but in Mm -hmm. Vinny's voice of you know 
also Mrs. Stubbs also struggles or something like that. Um, right. And that stuff always kind of cracked me up because it's kind of putting you into the point of here's Vinny's thoughts um, of what's going on. But I also really appreciate it because it almost added like a personality to Vinny on top of seeing him on screen. Because mm-hmm. you could see the way he's talking on these transitions changes while he grows and meets more people in this neighborhood and stuff like that, too. So Right. Like, I think it works re- as goofy as it sounds. It works really well. But they're also definitely spoofing movies that use it seriously. Oh, okay, okay. Um, you know, they kind of break up a movie with with that sort of transition, um, and it just seems like, like, like I said, it, it works if you're not thinking about it too much. But if you think about it, how they're doing it, they're definitely yeah. kind of playing off of movies who seriously do it. Right, right. Almost <laughs> like the Sting. You know, it was a lot yeah, like that exactly. when we watched the Sting. So exactly, yeah. you know, That's that cool. movie was doing it for real, and this one is like it's kind of digging on them. I know. Like my favorite is towards the end where he's like, I amaze everybody. <laughs> right when they start the ball game. That's good stuff. Oh man. Oh uh, and, and you know I and I really appreciated this with like me being like a full time government employee. <laughs> Granted state, but right off the bat there was just digs toward the government. Like the best was like nothing will get done with overtime. Be like, how are you going undercover? Are they offering you overtime? We all know that nothing gets done during overtime in the government. Um, and then joking about stuff like gratuity. Being like, this guy tried to pay me. I'm <laughs> part of the government. How do they... Ex- <laughs> how, what? Yeah, well, yeah. He's yeah. like... Uh, uh, before that, he's like, you don't tip an FBI agent. He's like, oh, sure you do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh, sure you do. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's yeah. No, it's pretty good. It's good. I like it. Um, um, And and just like going along with the premise of what this story is, right off the bat, you start figuring out that all of these witness protection program are like part of the same (laughs) mafia family that Vinny's in and they're all in the same place. So the movie just like is outrageous in the fact that all of these witness protection program People are all in the same town and they're all part of the same organized crime family and they all like know each other by the real name, but they're like, um, Carlos. And they're like, no, it's, 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 it's Joe. Oh, (laughs) Joe, how are you doing? And it's, it's just really funny. Yeah. No, it's like Bill Smith now. (laughs) Yeah. Bill Smith. And then one scene he was like, uh. Uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but it's like, I, th- I thought you were dead. And he's like, that's the general idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. And he's, then he's like, uh, then uh, the, Vinny's like, I was a pallbearer at your funeral. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like, all of it is just so good. And, and they bring that kind of humor uh, in it r- really good, too. Because, like, they're not pushing the humor. It's like all of these people are put in a weird, quirky situation. Mm-hmm. Um and it's like, oh, we're, we all know that we're part of the witness protection program, but we're not taking it seriously because there's no reason to. Um, and like one of my notes here is that all of them, like everyone in this movie, has just crazy over the top personalities, whether on one side of the spectrum or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, and like Steve Martin and Rick Moranis are on two opposite sides of the ballpark with this, with Rick Moranis being like the like, dullest man on planet Earth. Y- yeah, but, right. Like. <laughs> What, what what was that quote you told me once about a college professor you had? He's so he's so tall. Even 
<laughs> Even his skin's gray. Oh, yeah, yeah. So everything that? about this guy's life was like tan and gray and he was so yeah. boring that even his skin was gray because <laughs> he was like an astronomy professor but just like absolutely terrible because i remember michelle had him too yeah i knowledge wise he was great it was just i mean he even used like not that there's anything wrong with linux but he used linux with like a gray theme <laughs> I hope he doesn't listen because he would definitely know who we're talking about. Yeah, right. Who? Me? Um, no. <laughs> I liked him as a professor, anyway. though. He knew his, He knew what right. he was doing. Right, right. Take that as Rick Moranis. Um, and then you have Rick Moranis in Vinny, this movie. Steve, yeah. Right, right. Then you have uh, Vinny, who's uh, Steve Martin, and very much like colorful, very people person, um, knows how to like talk his way out of a situation. Like He'd always try to talk his way out of the situation but it's obvious that he's just like fishing for straws on how to do it like when he would try to talk his way out of why he had a whole bunch of stolen goods in his trunk he was like okay now listen i know a guy that he's a big fisher right and then like goes on this completely bizarre ridiculous story that would never work out with the past story he said on Mm -hmm. why he had a whole bunch of stolen radios like it just doesn't pan out. It, it, and that's what just brings this movie to life is the the crazy spectrums of personalities. So, Right. And and most of the time when he's coming up with some weird cover story, you know, when it works, it, it's not that any of his stories are really that good. It's just the way his personality makes him smooth yeah. and believable. Right, right. All of his stories like just, are equally bad. Yep. Yeah. But he's he just, just good he at delivering. confidence. Yep. Right. Yep, exactly. Tells him with confidence. I mean, that's so, the it, that's it, the it, way it, through it, life is you, you just gotta act like you know what you're doing and right. you'll be fine. We've been doing it for four years. Look at us. <laughs> <laughs> We're not even good that good at acting. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, it's good stuff. No, obviously, like honestly, I I loved loved this movie to death. Um, and then you kind of see the important characters like. Uh, Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Stubbs or Miss Stubbs, I guess, who was the assistant DA of mm-hmm. the town that they're in, um, and then Rick Moranis. What what was his character's name again? It was uh, uh, I can't remember his first name, but it was Cooper Smith. Okay, Cooper Smith, right, right. And then you have Vinny, um, and so these main characters, you see their personalities kind of like meet in the middle of each other, mm-hmm. just because they've interacted so much with each other and and figured out the motives and, and obviously the storyline plays out, but uh, you see them all kind of like end in the same goal together where they all felt like on opposite sides of it all. So very good. Right. Um, and so I was, I, I guess it doesn't really matter when we get to this. There's a fun fact about the casting for this movie. Um, okay. So Rick Moranis was never originally even supposed to be in this movie. Really? Uh, Steve Martin was supposed to play Cooper Smith with no all right, way. get get this, which I feel like he would have played really well in that role. Right. Vinny was supposed to be Arnold Schwarzenegger. No way. Uh-huh. No, 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 no. So I, I, oh my gosh, I so cannot I believe, imagine. Like shortly into production, they were even into like filming, uh, he got pulled away to make Kindergarten Cop. Oh. Uh, Steve Martin got 
they were having trouble finding someone to play Vinny, so Steve Martin got bumped to Vinny, and then in the meantime, uh, Rick Moranis was brought in for Cooper Smith at, at the original time for casting. Uh, Moranis was busy on something else. He was considered, okay. but he was busy, and then they brought him in because he was done with whatever he was doing, and uh, that became the the final cast. But I, I can't imagine what this movie would be like with the original expected cast. Yes. Right. I think, you know, as you were kind of hinting to what the reviews were back in the time that this movie came out, it could only be even worse if you put somebody like Schwarzenegger in there to like try and be smooth and cool. Like the way he is just on screen does not come across the way that I feel like a Vinny in My Blue Heaven should come across. Um, I'm I, oh, I'm definitely. glad that it all like worked out the way it did because it definitely made the movie the classic that it is today. So, I mean, yeah. classic in our eyes, me being the first time watching it and <laughs> multiple people probably don't even like it, but you know what? It's an amazing No, they piece probably of, don't. Of for whatever order. reason, this movie gets hammered in reviews. Right. I And I don't fully understand why. I mean, I guess I understand why, because it is a goofy comedy that not everyone gets. But I'm just looking at uh, Rotten Tomatoes, 71%, which isn't bad. Uh, approval rating of 71%, with an average rating of 5.57 out of 10. Uh, Metacritic weighted average score 35 out of 100 uh, indicating generally unfavorable reviews Uh, this one's not bad cinema score gives it a B minus cinema score nice yeah New York Times film was a truly funny concept and a disappointment on the screen (laughs) <laughs> rip which is That's a, a real bummer to hear i know nowadays when you see like trailers or something like that for video games or movies or whatever you always kind of know the basis of how bad this movie could potentially be is because mm-hmm. when they're showing the trailer they grab off the wall reviews of places you've never heard before cinema six eight nine six at you know said <laughs> two thumbs up like I've never heard of this review. <laughs> Two thumbs up, must watch. Yeah, must watch. Yeah, right. Backseat, backseat generation cinema. Max said, "Yeah, I'll take I'll take my kids to see this movie, mm-hmm. and I don't even have kids." Like yeah. you know, you never like see that. Rotten Tomatoes. You never see Cinema Score. <laughs> you never see uh, right. New York Times. New York Times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Um, and so just kind of like rounding out a couple of just like funny comments that brought my mind when they happened and made me literally laugh out loud. So towards the end when Vinny was kind of like growing into his own in this like community that he was being held up as a uh, uh, witness protection, all of a sudden he starts mowing his lawn and it's an electric mower, like it's plugged in. And he's mowing. And, and like, don't get me wrong, I'm pretty sure I know that these things like actually exist, but it's just yeah. Yeah. weird to see an electric mower. Like it just doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> yeah, like, they are kind of like an a, odd a thing. pretty popular thing. Uh, I wouldn't say anymore with the rise of cordless. There's been a pretty big surge in cordless stuff. Okay. Uh, okay. Cord I'm sorry, cordless electric, so like uh battery powered stuff. Um, right. But I think they were relatively 
common, especially in cities with like in suburbs with really small yards. Um, oh, I guess that maybe would make spe- sense. especially in California, where if you do have to mow, it's every once in a while, not very often. <laughs> right, um, right. But see, what's funny about that too is because he was out there mowing that very, very fake, extremely fake looking lawn. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> they're in Southern California, pretty much. And he's got this luscious, bright, vibrant green lawn that was a just straight up fake grass, which in reality it probably (laughs) was for the making of the movie, or b it would have been ultra dried out dead grass that they paint green, which is a common thing in California as well. No way! I guess I didn't know that. Oh yeah, I mean you can do it yourself, or there's companies that you can just basically pay. Like every month or so, they'll come through with basically like uh, it's in a jug, like a weed sprayer almost. Okay. And okay. Uh, you just go around, and it's like a it, it's not. I wouldn't really call it paint. It's just kind of a light, uh, biodegradable dye kind of thing that sprays on the lawn to make it look nice and green. I love it. That cracks. But he's me out up. there mowing. Life it is in the amazing. Middle of California summer. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right. I love it. That's good. Uh, one of them we already kind of talked about. Where in, in one of the last like transition quotes, it was I. I amaze everybody. Um, that that cracked me up. Um, and then the last <laughs> thing is that <laughs> during the ball game from the from the ball field that Benny uh, Vinny got the money to build for like the kids in the community. They started like the, one of the event, like walk around vendors was yelling and selling car radios at the ball game, <laughs> which just is funny because like in a town that's surrounded by organized, like past organized crime people, mm-hmm. um, all I could think of was that they just stole all of these car radios and now they're selling them on the I block in ball games. I don't think that that was the only vendor selling it. I think a couple of the vendors because they 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 kind of went through several vendors or ballpark people that were uh, either selling or uh, like uh, ushers in the crowd or something like that. And there's a couple people that, you know, hey, peanuts, Cracker Jack, car radios. And basically they were listing off like common hot items to be stolen and sold. And (laughs) because they're all ex-mobsters, you know. Oh, my God. (laughs) It absolutely cracks me up. That's good stuff. All right. Um, anything that we didn't touch on that uh, you wanted to bring up for the show? Uh, what do we got here? Yeah, you talked about it. I think it's it extremely obvious uh, that ex-mobsters would go back into business together oh. if they're all put in one place. Um, yeah. And the way they kind of play it off is like a FBI blundering oversight kind of thing. Yep, yep. Um, which is pretty funny, and and it's also funny too when uh, Ms. Stubbs was uh, she was all bent out of shape about Vinny, you know, being in witness protection about how oh this can't be a dumping ground for uh, witness protection and all this, and all she knew was the one guy. Little did she know that the entire town was made up of <laughs> witness protection, yep. uh, which yep. is pretty funny. But right. the big thing I wanted to bring up, and I think we've covered everything else except this, is the somewhat historical background to this movie. Okay. And I say that very loosely. 
and I guess I, I, I can't explain it quite as much as this section uh, that I pulled out of Wikipedia. Um, but it's been noted for its relationship to Goodfellas, which was actually released one month later than My Blue Heaven. Both films okay. are based off of the life of Henry Hill, although the character was renamed, obviously, Vincent Vinnie Antonelli in My Blue Heaven. Goodfellas was based on a book by, was a book called Wise Guy by Nicholas Pil, uh, Pileggi, while the screenplay for My Blue Heaven was written by Pileggi's wife, Nora Ephron. Um, and much of the research for both works was done in the same sessions with Henry Hill. Interesting. One obviously took huh. the the drama, uh, crime, serious movie role, and the other obviously yeah. was, you know, used it as a basis for a comedy movie. Um, but it's kind of interesting right. that how tied together they are. Right, right. It's, it, it, it's, and it's interesting too. Like it makes you wonder, kind of, what the life dyma- dynamic was. Um, of Nicholas Pileggi and then his wife, Nora, mm-hmm. almost like Nora only saw what Pileggi wanted her to see. You know what I mean? In terms of like that kind of, or wait, he probably wasn't necessarily a mafia guy himself though, was he? Like it wasn't like a... Oh, Pileggi. Pileggi? Uh, he was just a... Author, no, Pileggi right? was not. He was just writing about it pretty much. Uh, oh, the actual, okay, okay. The, the uh, mobster turned informant was Henry Hill. Oh, okay then. Never mind. Then I, 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 sorry, I read that and took that a completely <laughs> wrong direction. Okay, no, no sorry. No, I mean, he I, was just. <laughs> uh, Pelegi was just the writer of the book that was the basis for the movie okay. Goodfellas, um, and then okay. his wife wrote the screenplay for My Blue Heaven. Right. Okay, that's cool. That that that's an interesting history there. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Nothing more to add uh, after I screwed that up. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was a, a kind of an interesting collection. It's definitely like a for sure. Uh, her husband wrote the book, um, obviously well before the movie was made. The movie came out, and she was like, uh, you, "You can al- just almost see what happened." It's like, "Wow, I've I've got so many good ideas f- to make a comedy out of this." Um, yeah, and she already yeah. had all the background research for both. Um, and it, and it worked out. Um, right. So I thought that was pretty cool. And Very other good. than that, I do have, I did pull a couple quotes that I, uh, that I did really like from the movie. Uh, one of them was, uh, Vinny kind of given the, uh, sob story. I think it was towards the end of the movie. when we was talking about being let down, let, letting down kids. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> so it says, quote, five o'clock Christmas morning. I run downstairs, look under the tree, and what do I find? Uncle Alfresco, dead on the floor, shot through the back of the head, plus no bicycle. It was a disappointing <laughs> it was a disappointing Christmas on many levels. <laughs> on many levels, yeah. That was good cuz he was just like you know, where is this going to? Like in your mind it would be just be like no bicycle, but then no all of a sudden his uncle's just dead on the floor bleeding out and there's no bicycle. And right. you know, he's just like, Well, I guess I'll just go back to bed. Like it's just it's just a really funny way how he delivers the story. Uh yeah. And deliver it as only Steve Martin could deliver it. Yep. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. And the other one we already talked about a little bit is uh so this is also coming from Vinny. Um, I thought you were dead. Uh, Bill Sparrow replies, that was the general idea. 
Uh, <laughs> definitely <laughs> another I love another it. good one that I wanted to throw right. in there. I appreciate it, man. Good, good call on taking some of those quotes because <laughs> sometimes you can only talk about how funny a movie is without saying much of the funny parts. And those were probably a really good couple of high points. So, um, <laughs> yeah, man, I think that pretty much rounds us out. Anything else you need? Uh, no, I think that that was super good. We kind of uh, in and out a little bit quicker on this one for whatever reason. Um. But uh, I think it went well. Definitely great. It's it's been quite a while since I've seen this movie. Uh, obviously, Steve Martin, Rick Moranis. Rick Moranis kind of playing uh-huh. a weird, normal, kind of playing the yeah. uh, straight man to a a comedy partner, um, right? Which is a little bit odd, but refreshing. Um, and I thought it was good, and I hoped you like it as well. Absolutely. Let's do ratings here. What do you think? Um, I will give my blue heaven. Uh, an eight out of ten. Eight, nice. Yes. No, I, I, mean, I would not 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 to go low on it by any means, but um, like I enjoyed the comedy and stuff like that. But when it comes to like movies that really like bring me in and like I want I like I need to watch this again, or like the movies that mm-hmm. are like each time you watch it, you'll like pick up something new within the drama or like the story or something like that. So right, like right. this one is like always a good pick up and watch and you're gonna enjoy it. But some of the other movies we watch, you know, have a little bit more like meat to them. So Right. No, I definitely agree. And I'll give it I I'm gonna give it an eight too, even though it's my movie. It seems might be a little bit low for a, a my choice movie, but I one hundred percent understand because it's it's a good movie, you have a good time watching it, but it doesn't really suck you in because it's like we talked about earlier, the plot's not really that deep. It's the kind of movie you tune into on flip into the channels and you see it and then you watch it and you have a good time and you know it's Yeah. It's just that kind of movie. Um Right. So I would give it an eight out of 10 as well. Um, Not saying that I don't really enjoy it, but it's, I mean, it is what it is. It's a a (laughs) lighthearted, it's a lighthearted comedy. Absolutely, man. I appreciate you. I'm glad we're on the same page. You know what? We, We both pick great movies and we also think the same way about them. So there's a reason we're really good friends. All right. Anyway, and there's a reason we started this podcast. Yeah. You know, a lot of people say, uh, you know, you're supposed to have some disagreement and that's what really spurs on the conversation, but who needs them? I know. <laughs> we we did. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in. This was episode 120 of Young Nostalgia talking about My Blue Heaven. Tune in next week. I believe the next pick is Jackal starring Bruce Willis and um, G... Uh... uh <laughs> What's his name? He's searching, Gosh, searching. Uh, uh, yeah, oh, I don't okay. have it written uh, down it's, here. Uh, Richard Gere, that's it. Richard, Richard Gear, okay. Bruce Willis, the Jackal. Watch along with us. Let us know what you think. And if you haven't seen My Blue Heaven, check that out as well. You guys absolutely yes. rock. Um, if you enjoy what you hear, please give us a review and a rating on your favorite uh, listening platform for podcasts. You can find us out there on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify. You just search Young Nostalgia. We'll be there. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. Um, as always, we love doing the show. Anything else, big guy? 
Yeah, I think that was a good show with a good movie and excited for next week. Let's do it, my man. Sounds good. I'm pretty good on timing this time, but I did mess up not lowering the volume in the first time. But that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. As we always say here on As we always say here on Young Nostalgia. Keep the bottles empty and the ashtrays full. We'll talk to you next week.